Yo, yo, yo. Not only are we all here, but the same link from Anchor worked for all of us. So, hello, listeners, and welcome to another crazy, wacky, zany episode of One Full Spin. Are we calling this a quick spin? Uh, yeah, this this could be a quick spin. Um, nice. 25 to 30 minutes would be good for me. That'd be great. Um, it. So, all right, dudes. We got. It Brian, turns out got... I've only got 24 minutes in me today. All right. Because uh, at minute 25, I got to take my shirt off and watch TV. So right. you guys are in luck. Yeah. Well, so we're calling this the same length as an episode of The Simpsons. Pretty much. <laughs> exactly. Pretty much. <laughs> um, all right. Well, um, let's let's jump right in, uh, and we're gonna go straight into what you drinking, son. Um, I will. You know what? I'll 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 pass the baton first. Acres, what you got? Uh, I am enjoying a cup of, um, <laughs> I just texted you guys a photo. I had a, I've got a, a, um, a full coffee set up. I'm in, I'm in Los Angeles. I'm out here working and I brought with me a Wilfa precision maker coffee device, kind of like a mocha master. Yeah. Um, I brought with me some Atlanta's favorite East pole traffic blend. Um, it's aging nicely. The funny part is, is where I had this whole setup. It looked really nice in this hotel room and but it kept tripping the breaker because it's like one of those yeah extended yeah. power supply gfi TV. Yeah. yeah so i had to move it over to a different wall unit and when i did that i pulled a tray and forgot to open the filter you know like the little filter vessel oh no so as i was just jumping on board this i hear this noise and i turn over and there are black coffee grounds and coffee everywhere over the carpet oh, God. i remember my first pot Oh yeah, but man, it's good. This this is aged beautifully. Uh, Trey and I had this at the one fullest spin, which you guys are all here soon. Um, and this was roasted uh, on the twenty fifth of May, so it's still kind of like night, or you know, still kind of a little tight, but it's aging well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trey, what nice. you got? Uh, I have a bag of beans from my favorite coffee shop in town, Coffee Science. They had a uh, mm. Costa Rica surcoff with a red Ooh. honey process. Ooh. That is um, tasting notes from mandarin, grape, and cacao nibs, and I definitely think that sort of balance between the grape and cacao nibs comes across really beautifully. That's good. Um, that term that Akers just used for his uh, not quite in the, the golden area of a uh, post roast date. This was May twenty second, and it just kind of gets better and better every day that I make it. I've been making it now for about four days. Yeah, oh, it's a. It's great. Like I'm, I'm super into it. I probably have maybe another pot and a couple of shots of espresso left in terms of beans. So, um, kind of enjoying the last hurrah with these guys. Well, I'm just gonna whip my coffee penis out on both of you. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I started the morning with um, the tail end of that uh, whoosh whoosh uh, from Radio Roasters which was a an, like limited oxygen process on an Ethiopian bean. And the tasting notes, there may have been chocolate in the middle, but the tasting notes were watermelon and uh, apricot. And this is kind of a neat thing because we, our last episode, um, which is, uh, you know, the, the fullest spin, which is yet to hit the airwaves, but it's coming. Um, we started with that, and we all kind of remarked that at, at that time it was four or five days post-roast, and the melon came through, but it was not specific melon. 
and the apricot was just barely there. Well, let me tell you, this bag opened up gangbusters. Like I literally, I put it back in the, in my little vacuum seal container for another two or three days. When I broke it back out, um, the apricot was just, just slamming and the melon became absolutely watermelon. It was not, it wasn't generic melon. So, I mean, man, it, it went from like, wow, I'm a little disappointed that I paid this much for this bag to, Ooh, this is a top fiver of of 2021. Um, Wow. That's awesome. So that was my, I I had about 30 grams left of that. So I did, that's about all I can fit in that, in the little grounds receptacle in that American (laughs) press maker. Um, Killer cup, absolutely killer cup. And then I busted open a newly purchased bag from Crema Roasters in Nashville. And um, I I will preface that by saying my last bag that I purchased um, from that roaster was disappointing. It it seemed like it was too acres. You had it, and your first comment was, it's a little roasty. Yeah. Um, And this bag is um it's back in the jar so i can't remember the uh the country origin i think it could be nicaragua um that would seemingly be important but i'm not i'm too lazy to get up um (laughs) but the tasting notes are dr pepper cherry and lime um i i this is very very good and it definitely the notes come out more as it cools Mm -hmm. um I, the the Dr Pepper is solidly there. The cherry is there. I just wish it was brighter. Um, I don't know if I get the lime either. And this this was roasted May the twenty fourth, so we're right at a we're, we're at the very beginning of the sweet spot. Um, so I, I, I hope that maybe there's a little bit more awakening. Uh, but even even as it stands, this is delicious. Um, excellent cup. Let me throw a question out because uh, the, the, descri- the tasting notes for that are really kind of interesting. So, I mean, obviously lime and, and cherry are things that you see a lot when you're talking about coffee or tasting notes. Dr. Pepper is an interesting one. And I mean, I think we both, all three of us would know what that tastes like when you hear it. But yeah. how would you describe Dr. Pepper as a tasting note? I would say almost <laughs> like spicy, spicy plum. Mm, interesting. Yeah, little, I was going to say that's, that's, your, that's your unrecognizable melon. It's actually a, a prune. <laughs> <laughs> or a plum, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, and there's inter- and it's interesting because there is a, that sort of spiciness with Dr. Pepper, right? It's yeah. like a nondescript kind of like, I guess it's pepper. I mean, it could also be, you know, five spicy in a sense, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's weird, but it's, it's an interesting idea as a tasting note because it does sort of exist between things for sure. You know, I can already tell, by the way, um, and, and I'm, I'm just spinning straight off of the of, of, uh, of the of the the coffee segment, but um, I can already tell that we're going to be bummed by the compressed, tinny audio quality of recording this through our phones after having the nice uh, <laughs> microphone USB plug in straight to the laptop. Uh, that sort of fidelity for the last one, so. I'm. I think I'm gonna have to order one of those microphones. I mean, thirty bucks is a no-brainer. Well, yeah. I mean, that's. But it's actually awesome because for the listeners, as we you know gain more and more, we've heard that we there's actually a couple people who listen to our podcast on Spotify this week. Yeah. Um, oh, as, Trey, as tell- as we gain more listeners, they're going to grow with us. So yeah. they're they're going to enjoy uh, the fruits of the labor that they didn't have to hear. The so- increased professionalism. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Trey, 
Trey, this is a, a, a pretty exciting update, actually. Um, Bring it. One of our one of our one of our buddies, uh, uh, Luke. Uh, his wife is named Marion, and um, one or both of them, I noticed, followed the Instagram account, the One Full Spin mm-hmm. Instagram account, and then I believe through there must have found their way to um, the to the to the podcast, which you know. There's episodes currently on, I think, Spotify and Apple Market. I'm not. I'm pretty sure. Weird. Um, and uh, so, yesterday morning, I was speaking to Brian Akers while he was in the Atlanta airport, and I was, as I was saying, "Hey, bro, need you to get that audio shaped up. I want to publish." Um, our buddy Luke's wife, Marion, texted me and said. Hey, I listened to one of your episodes uh, the other day and thought it was pretty great. So we got we have official. I mean, I've seen the number of plays on the uh, I think either Anchor or Spotify like page. Um, I've seen that we've had like thirteen or seventeen listens. Um, but now we have official feedback. I have we have confirmation. Oh. That, yeah, not only confirmation that like an actual person uh, is is represented by one of those numbers. Um, <laughs> yes, we got feedback in this fantastic yeah. as well. So um, it's gonna fly. I'm pretty. Fly. I'm pretty it's gonna go sure. to the moon. It's gonna go I'm to pretty, the moon. I'm pretty sure that once we that once we once we get the fullest spin up and this one, um, I, I I I think. Um, I, I think I think I think that means the skis are pointed downhill. I think we're ready. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so yeah. So you know, we got our coffee in. We got our we got our we, we got our we, our our audio talk in, and we 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 did we did a little a little back padding already. So, um, what else what what else we got to spin into today? Uh, Guys, I, I just got to tell you that my 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 room it just reeks of awesome coffee. But the fact that there's, I, I sent you guys a photo, like I said, but there are coffee grounds and coffee all over the carpet and the furniture here. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> it's amazing. I, uh, I, it, it's egregious. Yeah, you're probably you're, pro- you're probably going to have to make a special call to the front desk. Yeah, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> just let them find it and then leave a really big tip tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think yeah. I think that's what's happening. So I want to talk Yikes. about my plans for Memorial Day, which at this point are to listen to all of the Velvet Underground, you know, canon albums, the four <laughs> primary ones, front to back. I'm currently at self-titled, so I'm already, you know, approximately halfway through this ordeal. But uh, this feels like a really great way to spend a day. No, it's amazing. When you said, when you were texting that earlier, I was just like kind of flashing through some of my favorites. I was just like, yeah. Yeah, that dude. sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, and it's like kind of a fun thing. Like, so one of my favorite elements about the Velvet Underground on the nerdy like gear front is like kind of how different each album is and trying to figure out what the gear that they were using was like and how that sort of informs the way those albums sound. Right. Mm. And I just like I love that about these sort of older bands from the 60s and the 70s. And even the 80s, that I guess all kind of like pre-computer production, where uh-huh. like everything is dated by the gear that was common, available, or popular at the time, rather than like this sort of like post-everything era we live in, where you can literally tap any sound at any time because you have a computer. Um, and so it's kind of fun to sort of, especially with Velvet Underground, to kind of look at like what kind of amps were they using and, you know, were there even pedals involved? And 
that right. interesting. So that 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 reminds me that reminds me of a story that I read in both Slash's autobiography, and then yep. also Brian Akers has specific knowledge as to um, as to the subject matter, which is exactly what you just talked about. In that Slash basically said that um, the Les Paul that he had at the time and the Marshall amp that he had at the time, um, and the the room that they recorded appetite for destruction in like basically somebody came in got the drum set up that was you know the drum placement was about the only forethought in in all of that mm-hmm. but the way that that marshall amp was humming at the time and however slashes was tuned and whatever that gibson you know whatever year whatever whatever it was giving him um mm-hmm. it it was a it was a snapshot in time and yeah. they ne- they found that they could not ever possibly recreate that sound any time after that. They you know they they didn't want to make any appetite clone, but that general sound was like well th- yeah, that's, lost to the ether. It's now unattainable. Yeah, yeah. So maybe this was what you you were going to mention with Brian, but there's this sort of famous story, I guess, from the SIR camp. And, and that's it. Brian, yeah. yeah. That that amp that JCM eight hundred that they used for that went missing, and they never could quite identify which amp it was. And I think they even went so far within the LA office to basically like have Slash go through every JCM eight hundred, whichever version it was, over and over and over again to try to see if they could identify it. And even after looking at you know tons of them, he still was like, yeah, none of these are right. So. Yeah. You know, but that's also a question of like, I mean, it could have been the amp. It just could have been circumstances. It could have been, you know, two right. or three differences. It could have been tubes. I mean, it could have been a million freaking things, right? Um, but well, they, ended, still... they ended up finding it, actually. Oh, they did. I thought they never found it. Yeah, it, it was gone uh, for the better part of, I think, like 15 years or something, 20 years. And it was rumored at one point to have been in this studio. And oh. um, they ended up finding it. Um, it popped up, and I think they have it back in their LA office now. Oh wow, that's amazing! Yeah, yeah. You do, so you can, you can do tours with it. <laughs> Good God! <laughs> so there is a kind of weird, like, like there's sort of a, a two sided thing to this, right? Like, I think on one hand you're talking about like, you know, what is the gear that's available on hand, right? And if like Marshall JCM 800s were like all the rage in the early mid '80s, that's that's what you know everybody's using. So that's kind of where you start off with with getting tone. Um, and then there is sort of like what you're talking about, which is this sort of snapshot in time, this particular amp at this particular state of its conditioning and, you know, in this particular room with this particular guitar and slash playing at a, you know, this particular level or whatever. <laughs> I, I've always really enjoyed the stories about uh, that Queens of the Stone Age record, Songs for the Deaf, um, which is an amazing record, but it has like such a unique sound, especially on the guitar bit front. It's just like, incredibly loud at almost any volume and just very distinct. You could kind of hear it in a crowded space and still kind of know that it's that record. And a lot of that is built on like a, they were using tons and tons of like broken gear, like gear that would like not even survive the session, you know, intentionally (laughs) looking to have like tones that they could never duplicate. Um, Wow. Yeah. And then, you know, there was also this, this ridiculous process they went to, which like I saw in a video with the guy who recorded that album, Eric Valentine, where it was like every step of the process is like boost the mid range. You know, you, you have a guitar, you're plugging it into a pedal. It's an EQ pedal, put all the mid range as high as it'll go. 
run it into the guitar amp, boost the mid-range, cut everything else, and just constantly, you know, microphone, put an EQ after the preamp, boost the mid-range, put it into the console, boost the mid-range. Like every step of the way, they're just doing that, right? And it really is the signature of that fucking that fucking amp, that fucking album, you know? Um, that crazy, is, that, that's easily one of the loudest concerts I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely. Without question. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, that's a really, I mean, we talk a lot about band gear because it's, you know, two of the three of us's career path. But, like, that's the stuff when it really starts to impact culture that is, like, that's, like, more than just uh, feeling like you work at McDonald's, right? That's the stuff where it's, like, yeah, that's the, where it becomes really, really, really meaningful, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, All right, so, real, so hey, real, real quick, let me throw something in as we. Yeah. We're, I know that we're trying to start an imaginary path here, but uh, something I wanted to piggyback on with um, uh, Velvet Underground is yeah. you know we we keep threatening to have guests on this show, um, and Trey, you may or may not know, but Maureen Tucker actually lives in Metro Atlanta. I knew she was in Georgia. I didn't know if she yeah. was in Atlanta or not. She's out. She's out on the west side. I think she's in Douglasville. So you know, hey Mo, Mo Tucker, if you're listening, which we know you are, um, <laughs> give us a call at one eight hundred Hot Studs. That's one eight hundred Hot Studs, and uh, let's do a show sometime together. We're going to talk about how you, uh, you all, she was a big part of when I used to play drums five hundred years ago. She was a big part of um, why I play drums the way that I do. Yeah, you were a stand-up drummer, right? Yeah, I was a drummer. No, but a stand-up drummer. Like, you used to play stand-up just like she did. Yeah, well, in my my punk rock bands, I would play full, you know, stick kit. But, you know, everything else I did play standing up, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, really quickly on the subject of guests, and I'll make this brief. um, I mentioned in the text um, something that we have talked about a little bit is, you know, urban density and transit. And um, there are two people that I follow on Twitter and Instagram who post a lot about that subject. One of whom is a guy I met at the Caribbean restaurant he owns um, in, a, in a small city called Smyrna that he, he ran for mayor in uh, but did not win. Uh, really cool dude. I, I just like busted out an hour with him at his restaurant at the bar like in no time just just on the subject of transit. And uh, another guy, it's too long to explain, but another guy who's, who's very passionate about the subject, um, I would like to do maybe a solely dedicated episode to this subject um, with those two guys on, and it would be pretty amazing. We'll, 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 we'll suss them out in terms of coffee, uh, you know, uh, preference, but uh, anyway. So in a, just, just for, in a nutshell, though, for us non-Atlanteans or even non-Georgians, uh, we're talking about the, in a capsule, the notion of sprawl with regards well, to Atlanta. And, and, and what we're also talking about is within the city of Atlanta, um, how inefficient the, 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 the train uh, lines are. It's, 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 a, it's a cross. It's one north-south line and one east-west line. Um, and d- both downtown and midtown Atlanta are just, are just still heavily reliant on cars and there are so many massive parking decks um, that just thwart the concept of density and, you know, walkability and then transit expansion and all of that kind of stuff. So um, these guys are both, kind of, you know, but it, it but the growth here is starting to boom again. And there is we're starting to see it, we're starting to fill in a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so um, and, and then recently for the first time. 
Um, I, I think we're going to get a, I think we're going to get a pretty fair share of federal money. Um, now that, uh, the, uh, now that mayor Pete is, is, uh, transportation secretary and has been here a bunch. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we're finally going to pull it together at least to pull some federal dollars. Now how we implement them is another story, but, um, I think that's going to happen. And I, you know, it still is probably 20 to 25 years off which is going to make me an old fucking man by the time that happens. But, but you'll be able to ride the train. And what better part of your life do you need to ride the train? Yeah, I don't want to drive. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to drive at all at age 65 or 70. I don't I just I don't want to do it. So but I mean, do, do you envision that by that point anyway, like you'll be using self-driving cars or most of us will be using self-driving cars? I mean, that's also pot. Yeah, that's probably oh, I um, can't wait. For I, the future. I might actually I might actually have a, <laughs> I might actually have like a wingsuit and I can just fly. I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, although again, at 65, um, it could be a little scary, you know, and then, and then, you know, do I have the bowels to, to support some of that, uh, anxiety, which I'm going to say no. Um, you know, the thing I wonder though, like when you talk about like the, the more dense a place like Atlanta gets, I mean, just like Houston, just like New York, like the more public transportation becomes like the most logical methodology for, for transporting people. And especially when you think about, the rising costs of insurance sort of across the board. Yeah. And like, I could totally see a phase where, especially if cars are flying or vehicles for like individuals are flying vehicles where, you know, all of a sudden the ability to, to do great damage to like large quantities of people equals increased insurance premiums, like, like really insanely increased insurance premiums. I could see a scenario where being able to actually afford a personal vehicle and insure a personal vehicle is so exorbitant that, really only like the wealthiest people could afford it kind of like back to when cars were like a new thing right which is which is true although again um but but the the equalizer will be that like socially it won't be looked upon as as a great luxury it'll be like oh cool you're rich and dumb and you have one of those things um like i'm a hundred percent fine with getting around everywhere on the train or the the light rail or the, you know, yeah. whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, um, and I think especially amongst really young people, um, there will be a, a, a definite, you know, it, 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 I envision it almost like smoking. Like finally with young kids, smoking became like, um, cool. Like, uncool, why would you yeah. do, why would you do that to yourself? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see, man. We'll see. That's a great comparison, Charles. I love that. I mean, and I think you're right. Like, I think it'll be a point where, like, why would anyone own their own vehicle? That's insane. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's, it's yeah. It's incredibly dumb. Uh, I yeah. mean, like, at, at most, I think you'll and you'll, you'll see like like sharing be be the norm. Sure. Um, yeah. Or know. or like whatever the future Uber thing is, but you know, rather than it be a person's personal vehicle, it's like you know, automated vehicles that are owned by some company. I mean, you know, at, at some point again, you know, and this is already happening, you know, they have these like, you know, unlimited packages or whatever, you know, um, at some point, yeah, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll start doing the math and it'll be like, well, uh, to buy this car new and insure it is, um, you know, combined $700 a month, um, you know, in terms of the car payment and the insurance, um, I can buy an unlimited Uber pass for 500 a month, yeah. um, or 350, you know, whatever. Um, and, you know, and n- never have just the, the general stress of driving either or, or finding places to park. What, what, wouldn't it be great if finding places to park was phased out of your life? So let me, as the token parent, let me just regale you with this quick story. 
Hey, we've got um, a minute and eight seconds left. No, okay. Right. We, 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 no, we got I'll do this quick. We got time. We got time. So, I'm at an age right now where my oldest is getting closer and closer to being able to drive. So I've been talking to other parents who have kids that drive, and sort of what they've gone about. And, you know, some of them are like, "Oh yeah, I can afford to buy my daughter a car, so I bought her a car and I insure it." Or, you know, we have a cheap car that all of my driving age kids have to borrow, and we have a whole system in place for that. I actually come across some parents that are like, oh, yeah, man, like I priced it out. I looked at what the cost to you know, pay for insurance and use my car or buy a new car versus just giving my kid an Uber account. And I just gave him an Uber account. Yeah. Why not? Which I'm like, aside from the obvious, like, OK, good financial decisions, it really puts a lot of onus on your kids to continue to develop, to be responsible and all that jazz. But like just everything, every fiber of my being, putting your kid in a car with a total stranger blows my mind. Well, which I, which, my mind. which I get, um, but therein, therein lies like how, how far you can drill down on um, driver safety ratings. And like what I think Uber could do is like increase um, stuff on the app. Like you can, you know, you can pre-select, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, and just be like, and, and, and people will post, you know, almost like next door, like testimonials, recommendations, like. Uh, yeah, if you have teenage kids, this is the person uh, totally sure. resp- totally responsible, very, very good driver. Um, you know, I mean, just stuff like that. Like, I think that'll sort of increase. But, yeah, I mean, I get it. But what's scarier, Trey, putting your kid in, in a car uh, with a stranger or remembering how shitty you used to drive as a teenager and then thinking that's what they're doing? <laughs> absolutely. You're totally, totally right. <laughs> that is absolutely Absolutely yeah. true. Well, yeah. I just say nothing of like all the things that kind of go out the window, right? I mean, it's like there's all this science about the fact, and there's tons of places where it's illegal actually to like have multiple teenagers in a car at the same time because a teenage driver is like it is shown that if they are with other teenagers, is not focusing on the road. Oh yeah, the way uh, they would be yeah. with a parent, with a sibling, with you know, or by themselves. Yeah. So yeah, there's all kinds of scenarios that go out the window, but at the same time. As we all know, one of the fundamentals as a kid, never talk to strangers, suddenly gets real convoluted when well, it's through an app. But also, yeah. but however, however, um, then again, what, what, you're, what you're also doing is um, furthering social development, which is, sure. you know, in life, sometimes you're going to have to talk to strangers. Um, yes, you're also going to have to develop skills that give you the ability to quickly size up a situation and go, I feel safe. Or I don't feel safe. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, I think that's, that's a pretty key development. Um, so I, I, I think there's probably a lot more positives in there than, than initially meet the eye. No, um, I totally agree with you. I think there are. And, and, and even talking about learning how to navigate social situations that are complicated or new, the reality is, is as you pointed out, there are all these safety ne- mechanisms built into the app that are analogous in so many ways to training wheels. Yeah. So if you want a safe situation for your child to have to interact with strangers or people that they don't know in an enclosed situation, I really can't think of a more ideal scenario. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they're probably, you know, if that becomes more, more normalized, I think there probably will continue to be a further development of, you know, Oh, now we have, you know, people that are vetted and authorized for teenager, you know, right. interaction or whatever, right. you know? Yeah. Hey, these, these adults are allowed to like hang out and talk to adults. Yeah. <laughs> 
We have, uh, man, so, we, we hey, have completely jumped the shark as a society. Yeah, I, I, so. totally, I totally agree. <laughs> so totally agree. Uh, not not to be the not to be the the, the cast Nazi, but uh, we originally envisioned a, a twenty five to thirty minute period. I feel like we just like ran through some stuff really well, and at this point, it could either meander or just be done. So, what do you think? Let's call it. All right, man, that was awesome. Uh, great to convene again. Uh, two consecutive weeks. All three of us are here. Um, I think I think we should continue to explore the possibility of not marrying it to a particular day. We could always shoot for a particular day, um, but let's just hone in um, mandatory. You know, don't skip weeks. Um, well, well, I mean, I mean yeah, as 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 wonderful things happen, like making hotel coffee and you're definitely staying at least two thousand dollars worth of flooring uh we can we can just jump right in and yeah discuss it ad nauseum so yeah god right. i hope i hope you right, get gentlemen. a bill for this oh now i want to know yeah all right well it was a pleasure and i'm on uh, i'm on group on right now trying to find rug cleaning services that's amazing all right <laughs> all, all right, right. Have a good see one. you guys the ripcord. see ya all right later <laughs>